Welcome to the Amen Always radio broadcast with Derek and Frida Stevens. Tune in to hear the prophetic word as it goes forth. Thank you, Lord God, and thank you for joining us. Today we are coming from our teaching series on prophetic worship. We're in part three of our series. All of our series do not contain four or five parts. It's just the prophetic worship has five parts because of the level of this series and the things that God is speaking to us. So in part one, we talked about God being the only one that deserves our worship. In part one, we laid the foundation for prophecy and worship, which is uh, comes from the Greek word proskuneo, which means to lay prostrate or to bow down. Part two, we talked about the fact that prophetic worship is a mandate. It's not only a gift from God, but is in fact a mandate because the Bible lets us know that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We also discussed the fact that who we worship matters because idolatry, as we know, will separate you from the things of God. And it's one of the things that God hates. We talked about how we worship. And the fact that it needs to be God-focused and sincere and in spirit and in truth, joyfully given. Remember we said before prophetic worship has been used in times of war and times of miracles and healings. We talked about prophetic worship has been used in times of deliverance. We're going to learn more about what actually happens during prophetic worship. Prophetic worship is... When Elijah prophesied, he called the minstrel because the anointed singer looses the prophetic spirit. So let's look over in 2 Kings chapter 3. In verse 14, it says, Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. For this is what the Lord says. You will neither see wind nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water. And you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs, and ruin every good field with stones. So here in the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 3, what is going on here is that Ahab had died and his son had taken over as king. He wanted to go against Moab. He decided to go and get Jehoshaphat, who was king of Judah and asked him to join in the battle. And the two went off to join in battle along with the king of Edom. At some point, they ran out of water. And so they asked, well, is there not a prophet that we can go to? And so they ended up before Elisha. And that's when Elisha had said, if I didn't have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even pay attention to you. Because he knew that Ahab's son was evil. Now, he wasn't as evil as Ahab, as his father and as his mother, Jezebel, but he still did evil. He still did not worship God. However, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, did worship God. And so we notice prophetic worship taking place here because Elisha, before he prophesied, he said, bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, 
the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and Elisha began to prophesy. And we know if we read on down in second Kings chapter three, after the prophecy was given, they were in fact victorious. So this is another example of when prophetic worship is used during times of war. Now there is a release of the prophetic that comes during worship. And that's what we see in this example of Elisha in second Kings. The prophetic was released once the harpist began to play. So there is a direct relationship, a direct link between worship and the prophetic. And there are several examples, even today, of prophetic artists that when they go into a certain place of worship, the prophetic is released. And so let's just give an example here. Let's go into prophetic worship so that you can begin to understand what is released during prophetic worship. The spirit of prophecy is released in the atmosphere of worship. You begin to, by leading of the Holy Spirit, you begin to declare, proclaim, and speak over the people of God under the unction of the Holy Spirit. If you are a worship leader, you are prophetic. It's just that simple. And it doesn't always have to be spontaneous to be prophetic. Remember in part two, we learned that prophetic worship can be spontaneous or it can be planned. So let's look at scripture. It says in Revelation, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are prayers of the saints. 
And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That is found in Revelation 5 verses 8 through 9. So prophetic worship, if you're a worship leader, you are prophetic. And as you see from our example here, that when the prophetic is loose during the atmosphere of worship, you can begin to speak and decree and declare over the people of God by unction and leading of the Holy Spirit. It is not something to be afraid of because it's part of your gift as a worshiper. Now, this is if you are a worship leader or just a believer in God and you become a worshiper, you can flow in prophetic worship. Your role is to usher people into the prophetic worship if you're a worship leader. And even in your own home and your own life, let's say you're not a, prof- a worship leader, you still can flow in prophetic worship. You should be ushering your family members, your children, your family, your loved ones into prophetic worship. We're going to talk next week about prophetic worship in your own life and then the following week about prophetic worship in the church and how you're leading others into prophetic worship in, in the church. But understand that with prophetic worship, this is something that happens individually. It should start individually and in your home. Then it goes outward. You have to set the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move. So when you give a prophetic proclamation, you proclaim the promises of God over the people, miracles, healing, deliverance, protection, provision. These things come without anyone laying hands on the individual, because remember the atmosphere is set. And when it's led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to move. So boldly proclaim or boldly prophesy as you are led of the Lord. Prophetic worship, what happens? It facilitates a God encounter. Remember, God is always desired to commune with his people face to face. We look back in Genesis where it tells us that God was walking through the garden in the cool of the day and how God spoke face to face with Adam and Eve. He's always desired to commune face to face with his people. Prophetic worship enables us to hear the Father's voice, to feel his heartbeat, and it allows his purpose to be accomplished. When we touch heaven, when we enter prophetic worship, remember heaven opens and we leave this place knowing that God has not only heard us, spoken to us, but he has touched our lives in a personal way. What does prophetic worship do? It facilitates God encounters. It also enables us to receive an impartation from God. When we're yielded to the Holy Spirit and we're in an attitude of love and worship, we're more receptive and open to God than we are at any other time. And the word impartation simply means a release of God's power in our lives. Remember, prophetic worship is used in times of war, used in times of miracles of healing, used in times of deliverance. And so when you are in prophetic worship, you're opened up. Remember, heaven opens up and it responds and it enables us to receive from God. 
So we come with expectation. We have an expectation that as God is leading us in praise and worship, we will be healed and set free from oppression. Prophetic worship used in miracles and healing. The scripture says in Psalm 107, 20, it says he sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. And so we have to look at the fact that all throughout scripture, Genesis through Revelation, prophetic worship has shaped the life of the believer, of their family, and the community around them, the nation, the world around them. So it is today. Prophetic worship will alter the state of our life. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it lets us know that young David was at that time employed by Saul to play the lyre. And David played and the anointing of God on his music caused the demonic oppression to lift off of Saul. Prophetic worship used in times of deliverance. Another thing that prophetic worship does, it breaks open the atmosphere for God to move. You really want to see a move of God in your personal life, in your community, in your church, enter into prophetic worship. It will break open the atmosphere. We know that God wants us under an open heaven. He wants us to have a God encounter, an open heaven experience. We know that God responds, heaven responds to worship. We see that all throughout scripture. So praise is also prophetic. Just like worship is prophetic. Praise is prophetic when it is directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's now purpose for our lives. It's God's now purpose. Prophetic praise, when it is spirit-led, it is a proclamation of who God is, of his attributes, and of what he has done and what he will accomplish. Remember, in worship, we're talking about who God is, we're worshiping for him, for who he is, for his attributes, for what he has done and what he will accomplish. We're not asking him for anything new. We're worshiping him for who he is and what he's already done. So a benefit of prophetic praise is that it penetrates the atmosphere and it pushes back oppression. It pushes back apathy. It pushes back fear or any other effects of spiritual warfare. And it says in 2 Chronicles 20, starting at verse 1, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And now if you skip on down to verse 3, and it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So what's going on here is that basically Jehoshaphat is afraid because there's a great army, a great multitude coming against him. But watch what happens when he enters into prophetic worship. Watch what begins to take place. Go on down to verse 18. And it says, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with voices loud and high. 
So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the, of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. Prophetic worship will destroy your enemies. It will open heaven. Heaven will respond. We see in scripture how Jehoshaphat prevailed as a result of prophetic worship. So what else does prophetic worship do? It prepares our hearts for God's word. Prophetic worship at its foundational level is spirit-directed and spirit-empowered worship. It says in John 4, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Just John 4, 23 through 24. There's a mandate, there's a requirement in how we are to worship. The scripture says, must worship in the spirit and in truth. So during a time of prophetic worship, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and our hearts are open towards God. When the preaching or the personal study of God's word accompanies or follows prophetic worship and the two merge together, then there's a continuum of inspiration from the Holy Spirit that takes place. But prophetic worship is the beginning. It's the foundation. It's the start. It's how you open your heart to receive God's word. Another thing that happens during prophetic worship is that we receive a divine message from God. In prophetic worship, God uses a song, an instrument, or prophetic communication to speak to us, to speak into our lives. There may be a special word of encouragement, instruction, or even warning for us to receive that is released during prophetic worship. Whether it's individually you're participating in prophetic worship or in a corporate setting, prophetic worship provides both the expectation and the opportunity for God to speak to us. Let's look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. It says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. 
So when we come together corporately or even in our own personal time with the Lord, prophetic worship creates an atmosphere of expectation. And it also creates an atmosphere where there's an opportunity for God to speak to us. Prophetic worship is powerful when specific breakthrough is needed. Prophetic praise celebrates the fulfillment of God's promises before they are manifested in the natural realm. So we're praising God in advance, such as in the example we gave when King Jehoshaphat sent the singers out ahead of his army to celebrate the victory of God, the victory that God had promised through his prophet. The battle was won as God routed the armies in front of the praisers. So a song of prophetic praise is significant to releasing God's provision. Remember, the prophetic worship is used in times of war. That's a time of battle, times of war, times of miracles and healings, times of deliverance, special impartation from God. Prophetic worship can facilitate God encounters. It enables you to receive an impartation from God. It breaks open the atmosphere for God to move. It prepares our hearts for God's word, and we can receive a prophetic message from God. It is powerful when specific breakthrough is needed. Prophetic praise is significant to releasing God's provision, to transforming barrenness into fruitfulness, and overcoming obstacles and persecution. Let's look over in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 to 3. And it reads, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So prophetic worship, prophetic praise, it will release barrenness and it will transform barrenness into fruitfulness. It also helps you to overcome obstacles and persecution. Let's turn over to Acts 16 for an example of how prophetic worship helps you to release and be free from obstacles and persecution. Acts 16 verses 25 through verse 29. And we know we're all familiar with this scripture. It talks about how Paul and Silas had been thrown in jail. And so when Paul and Silas were in jail in verse 25, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him 
and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set foot had set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So this is a perfect example in Acts 16, uh, starting at verse 25, how God delivered Paul and Silas as a result of prophetic praise and worship. And then through his prophetic praise and worship, God saved Paul and Silas, saved everybody else that was in the jail, and saved the person that threw them in the jail. That's the will of the Lord. He saved Paul and Silas, everyone that was in the jail, all the prisoners and the guard that threw them in the jail, the keeper of the prison and all of his family. That's the will of the Lord. So prophetic worship can not only set you free, it could set your whole household free and those that are around you. It has been used to overcome obstacles and persecution. These are the things that happen in prophetic worship. Thank you for tuning in to Amen Always Radio Broadcast with Derek and Frida Stevens. We pray that the Word of God has been a blessing to your life. To sign up for School of the Prophets, visit us at amenalways.org. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or to download any of our broadcasts, find us on SoundCloud. Amen Always on SoundCloud. Blessings.